0: the Alright, welcome to the Le Boogie News Beat. This is the first ever news beat that I am recording. Uh this this uh, this little audio piece is uh is something to kind of fill in the gaps between these interviews that I've done. Usually I record the interviews in a block, um, so some of them are quite kind of not dated, but they're they're kind of from the past. I want to try and bring a bit more kind of current news into the into the audio podcast here. So that's why every now and then I'm going to release a Le Boogie News Beat for you all to enjoy. Um, for this first one, there's a few, uh, uh, maybe three pieces of information I want to dive into with you. The first one is uh, you've probably seen this week uh, on Instagram a young chap named Guru Kalsa sharing some amazing uh, writing from the Surf Ranch. Um, he's he had the really unique opportunity to go out there and test it out with a couple of buddies and I took this moment to get in touch with him and hear all about it. So, here's a quick conversation I had with Guru about his experience. Okay, so Guru Kalsa, am I pronouncing your name correctly?
1: Yeah, Kalsa, like Salsa
0: Kalsa. with a K. Salsa with a K, sounds cool, sounds cool. <laughs> We we saw the bodyboarding world saw maybe I think it's about two th- weeks ago a nice clip drop from Mike Stewart at the Surf Ranch, and you know it was a really nice clip to watch and it had you know basically the god of bodyboarding there doing his thing. Um, you like the rest of us are one of the mere mortals that has uh, been privileged enough to get inside the Surf Ranch lately. Uh, how did you how did you manage to get in there first of all?
1: So there's a documentary film uh, called She Change, and it's a film about women's equality and big wave surfing. And I was volunteering at an event, a fundraising event for them, uh, photographing it. And they had this auction item up to, up to bid to go hang out at the surf ranch for a day and get some waves. And the people in the audience really weren't the ideal demographic. And it was, wasn't going for enough money. <laughs> and I was just frothing. And I just put my hand up and bid on it and won.
0: Get out of here. What did you <laughs> What did you end up paying for it, if you don't mind me asking? So it ended up being
1: um, $6,000. Yeah. Um, right. And that included uh, myself and a friend at the surf ranch for the day. And no. I was like, you know, really excited, but that's a lot of money for me. Yeah. And like, even thinking about it now, I'm like, I have that like nervous, like, am I really bidding on this? Did that really happen? <laughs> um, but I would definitely, I'm definitely glad I did it. Um, it was an amazing experience and well worth it. Um, and you know, I got to bring a friend of mine who's, he, he's a stunt pilot and he's like an okay surfer. And it was just a really fun, uh, really fun day. And then they allowed me to bring one of their friend for the day just to hang out who's a, a Marine uh, vet and uh, he's like disabled and can't really surf, but he got to go on the jet ski and like be 10 feet from me while I'm getting barreled. And uh, that was pretty fun. So they really went above and beyond at that place. So I, I found out when I was there how much the, a day at the surf ranch actually costs to like rent it out. Uh-huh. And in the off season, it's 35,000 for the day. Whoa. And during the peak season, it's 50,000 for the day. Whoa. So depending on how many surfers you split it up with, you can really kind of do the math and figure out the value hmm. and like cost per wave. Um, but there's so much there that goes into it than just riding that wave for the day. And they really have a good system.
0: So how, how many people were actually, what, what's the upper limit of the number of people that can use the surf ranch in one day?
1: So we had what was called a community day and a lot of people that were there were people who bid on auction um, at different charity events. Some people um, were like invited or like friends and family or had helped somehow uh, in the construction of the surf ranch and it was like their their time to shine. Um, There was a teacher from a local high school, for example. Um, And I think the number of people they have They really have it dialed in. It's eighteen people um, for the day, and so you have three different heats of six people, and you each get three heats, three one-hour heats in the water.
0: Um, Okay. So, sorry, three six people in each heat, mm -hmm. and there's three heats.
1: Correct. Okay. There's uh, you each get three. You each get. Let's see. (laughs) It is confusing when you get there and they give you the whole you arrive and they start giving you the rundown of everything that's happening. It's like so much information overload. And as the day goes on, by the end of the day, you feel like a local, your whole, your own beach break, you know, the whole <laughs> setup. Um, but when you first get in the water, you're a little like, which flag do I paddle to? When does it start? How many seconds, which direction do I paddle away from the fence to catch the wave? Um, there's a lot of things going on. Um, And so, so basically, um, the way they have it set up is you have 18 people for the day and you have three heats with six people, six people in each heat. And then you each get, you each get three rounds in the pool. So you get three hours in the pool during the day.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Um, and that equates to 15 priority waves.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Um, but those priority waves, the way they do it, it's split up into – they split the wave in half for days like this. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was really bummed out. I was like, I want to ride this wave from top to bottom just like I saw Mike Stewart do it two weeks ago. And I want to compare myself you know, to the <laughs> legend. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then they're like, we're not doing it that way. We're splitting this wave up in, into halves. And the reason is because you'll get, instead of get two waves in your one hour heat that are priority yours, you will get five waves, five half waves. Um, and then you won't try to ride the wave really conservatively. You will just kind of push yourself and enjoy more. So if you're riding a wave for 45 seconds and you want to make it to the end, that middle barrel section, you're probably going to be out in front of it a little bit cause you don't want to get caught mm. and, and waste, you know, a thousand dollars
0: did you, was it hard to, cause I, I think from the, the film I saw so far that you've shared online that, yeah, I was wondering why people just kind of drop it in. And so that is because there was this logic that if you like, you fully knew that someone was going to take the second half of that wave. So you get the first barrel, you enjoy it. And then you, you know, you mess around and just kind of either straighten out or just try some kind of flip or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Um, the the top of the wave someone takes off they're screaming down the line and it's kind of funny cuz you're just burning them basically <laughs> <laughs> like, and they're going like oh i really wish i could have the rest of this wave um a lot of the times so people would fall or they wouldn't mm. make the section and then you could poach the wave and yeah. i'm really interested in the new surfing lingo cuz it's not burning it's like poaching you're waiting you're kind of rooting for your friends to fall basically. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which isn't super kind, but when they do, you're like, thanks buddy. I'll buy you a beer later. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that creates a dynamic in the pool where when you have six people, there's places for you to sit, even if you're not riding a wave or you don't have next priority. And some of my best rides were poached. They Mm -hmm. were like a surfer, uh, maybe didn't catch the wave or they, when they stood up, they drew out their bottom turn too long and got hit by the lip. Wow. And then I was like, it's on. Um, and so that's super fun. And it allows your time in the pool to really be active. Hmm. Um, like you're not sitting there waiting for 12 minutes in between your waves.
0: Okay. Uh. And so when it came to the, to surfing at the surf ranch this time of year, um, I've noticed that there's a lot of guys wearing like full suits. What, what, what kind of gear did you have to wear to kind of stay comfortable there?
1: So we were told hood, boots, gloves—you know—jump in the hot tub. All these things mm-hmm. were were on the menu. Um, but when we got there, the weather had kind of warmed up this last week, and so I was in a four-three,
0: mm-hmm.
1: no gloves, no hood, and I was fine. Um, some of the like the skinnier mm-hmm. <laughs> people with a little less, little less whale blubber on them were definitely putting a hood on or some of the SoCal surfers, um, from warmer waters were definitely like jumping in the hot tub right away. But if you're from a place where you're used to wearing a four three, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Granted the week, the week before, um, like John John was there and it, it was much colder. Um, okay, and it just, it's hit or miss. And that's why the season, the off season is 35,000 for the day Mm -hmm. and once it warms up it's fifty thousand. um and i think they might extend the days because there's more daylight and all that but uh
0: yeah crazy crazy when you when you're catching one of these waves um i think one of the questions maybe many people have at least i know i have this question how do you know like is there any are there many signals that the wave is about to barrel or is it really you've really got to feel it out in the moment
1: So it was really helpful to, um, to hear and read Mike Stewart's words, on on his experience there. I also have a friend from San Francisco, Adam Worthington, who's a really good writer. And, um, he has been twice before now and he gave me a lot of pointers. And the last step is they have people coaching you in the pool. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have someone where you're paddling into the wave, Going like angle this way away from the fence to catch it,
0: mm. which is
1: arguably the most difficult part about the spot for especially for a stand up surfer because they can't adjust as, as quickly as a bodyboarder.
0: Yeah, um,
1: essentially, once you're on the wave, there's a jet ski with an earshot of you, and he goes, Go faster, it's gonna barrel.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and he's looking down the line at all these pylons that are um, on the fencing. And they're all, they're all numbered. And so he's, he drives, he drives his pool every day on a jet ski and it just says, oh, we're at, you know, marker number 27, better speed up.
0: Interesting. Um, Interesting. I've often wondered the, the point of having this jet ski, obviously it's nice to do the follow camera and thing like, like, you know, you're getting some good GoPro film, but literally they're, they're talking you through the wave as you're on it.
1: Yeah, they're, they're definitely like, um, there for safety first. Uh-huh. Um, and but part of that safety is letting you know that like it's gonna get hollow mm. and and you should get in position, especially for stand up surfers, I felt like it was crucial. Um, a lot of guys got lipped in the head <laughs> or their line was too high and they got pitched over the falls. Um, one guy we were we were there with um his board came up and cracked his chin open. Oh And he got, uh, he got, had to get rushed off and got nine stitches and, uh, his nickname forever is stitches. And it was like, (laughs) he's going to be folklore, man. He, it happened in his first heat and he he came back at the end of the day with nine stitches and got a really good barrel at the end of the day. And everyone was really stoked for him, but it is, it packs a punch, the wave. Um,
0: yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So like if you, I mean, did you wipe out on any where you hit the bottom or anything like that? And, And what is the bottom made of?
1: So the bottom's concrete, Mm. so there's no give to it. But there is this, um, the places that I did touch when you're walking around in the pool has like this soft, smooth uh, fabric Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I feel like you wouldn't grate your body on the bottom. You'd kind of like slide off of it. Uh Um, I definitely tried to get as deep as possible on a couple and, you know, had the barrel roll over me. And I tried to pull some rolls and some weird sections in the middle of the pool. And I didn't hit the bottom at all. Um, I think chalk it up to being used to riding like, you know, beach break and one foot, one foot of water over sand. Yeah. You're just used to falling flat a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally I ride with a helmet even, but there I felt pretty, pretty comfortable.
0: So with your, um, like in terms of the level of bodyboarding, like you, you know, where do you rate yourself like in terms of barrel riding before you went to the surf ranch and do you think that it, that it helped or, um, do you feel like you, did you feel like you needed to do more in the real world of surfing, um, to get better, to surf that wave better? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, after having the experience? Yeah.
1: I always felt like I was relatively average rider um, from, where i come from in monterey california area there's not too many bodyboarders and so like i was like you know there's a handful of us that ride we're all about the same level mm-hmm. um and it's hard to judge yourself but getting to watch mike stewart's clips and then be there i honestly felt like I got just as deep as Mike Stewart did on this wave. Uh, (laughs) Maybe not, not as long. (laughs) I wasn't in the barrel as long as he was. And it was really impressive to see how he navigates the the top top section of the barrel. The end, the end sections of the barrel are a little easier. Um, but I definitely got as deep as possible. And I would say this, I also thought like I was way more proficient on lefts and Mm -hmm. I gravitated towards them a lot more. But I like sinking into these, these rights, it really helped me kind of, I don't know, like just hone in on where I sit. Cause I don't, I don't surf that much anymore. You know, it's like, Mm. it's not every weekend or once a week. It's, it can be three times, four times in a month. Yeah. Um, But like in succession, like the waves are good in San Francisco and it's on, I'm out there for like five days in a row. And then it'll be too big or too windy for a month.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: So I think it was kind of amazing to be able to compare myself (laughs) to Mike Stewart and say, um, this is the exact wave that he just rode Hmm. and I got to ride it and feel what that's like and go, okay, like I can, I can get barreled like, and I'm proficient at, at pulling in, um, his his spins and his turns to see those in the wave and where he fit those in that was what was different that's what's impressive to me because Mm -hmm. the wave's pretty fast and it is hard to read and so seeing how he linked maneuvers together like that's the real difference i think any average bodyboarder, you know from snapper to the wedge to pipe anywhere they're used to pulling into like a little barrel would have a blast there um
0: well that's interesting that was kind of why I asked the question was to figure out you know how much of what what is the ability level that is acceptable um to get an amazing barrel at the ranch and and by the sounds of it you know you situated yourself on the average spectrum and um but then you did feel like you got a barrel you know, and then there's probably evidence you could probably even do an analysis of Mike's barrels versus your barrels and really actually zero in on this if you really want to do the the study. But, you know, let's take it at face value. You felt that you got equally um, as deep as Mike out there. Um, That's a super interesting um, outcome, right? I mean, it hasn't really been possible in history to have that comparison.
1: Yeah, it feels really weird to even say it. I feel like mm. I'm gonna catch a lot of flak. Yeah, like, he wants as deep as Mike. I know what and you're saying,
0: though. I do. I, I understand what you're saying. So I know that you're not saying you can surf as good as Mike. Um, I, yeah. I know that you're saying, in that moment, on that wave, the exact same wave, you got a barrel just as deep as he did.
1: It. I would say, like, the key is to it. Is it feels like it. Mm. It feels like I got to surf like Mike. You know, <laughs> yeah, for cool. for a day. You know. Um, the the difference really is for stand-up surfers it's a it's a tricky fast steep punchy little barrel Mm -hmm. and so many stand-up surfers that are probably the same level of ocean knowledge as me uh were not able to get very barreled most of them wouldn't make they wouldn't make the barrel they'd be out in front of it a little bit or they get lipped Mm -hmm. um they kind of worked all day to figure it out and then they most most guys would get like one or two out of their fifteen waves really dialed in mm. where they're in the barrel. With that said, there's they're like flying down the line, having fun and doing a nice turn at the end of their section or something like that. But it's it's kind of when you see Kelly Slater in it, I mean that guy can fit into a shoebox, mm. you know? Um, so it's a little unrealistic to put a guy that's like i'm five foot ten 210 pounds Mm. so if i was standing up it might be a little more challenging to fit inside the barrel in in and of itself um and if you get someone who's like you know two meters tall Mm. like good luck Um, unless you're really like a little yoga guy
0: yeah yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea. How many of your waves out of your 15 or whatever in the day, how many of them do you feel like you surfed as as well as you could possibly surf them? No regrets.
1: Ooh, <laughs> maybe three.
0: Three.
1: Um, But like, I mean, but I would say there's another like 10 that I was like, or maybe eight that I was really, really happy with.
0: It's yeah. Just so like, you still made them. That's uh, maybe that's, maybe I should have said yeah. it differently, but you know, that was still completed rides. You got in the barrel. You were stoked.
1: Yeah. I made most of my waves. Um, it's just, the, they tell you the, don't try to get cheeky, just stay out in front of it and figure out how it feels. So my first wave, I did that. I was like a little bit ahead of the barrel. Sweet really fun. And then my second wave, I put up a big check stall just to see how it felt to be like deep in the barrel. But Mm. I got way too deep. It ran away from me really fast. Yeah. And then my third, my third, right. It was on. And then my, (laughs) there was a surfer in my heat who kept missing the wave because he wasn't paddling at the right angle away from the Uh fence. And like, I was heartbroken for him because we were all there with the same giddy, like childlike, awe and then you know my my remorse for him quickly escaped when i was like oh i'm on this next wave (laughs) Um, so in my first heat i got like eight or nine waves instead of five
0: crazy
1: don't bring your friends who are really good surfers to the wave pool because you won't you won't get as many rides you should bring someone you like hanging out with who's gonna fall a lot (laughs)
0: So if that isn't the story of the luckiest guy in California, I do not know what is. Moving right along, the other piece of news uh, that I wanted to release in this first ever Le Boogie News Beat is that of Monsieur Amory Le Verne. Uh, Very recently, we saw a bunch of clips from Amory uh, from Africa, and he was down there for uh, a few coaching sessions through the Amori Academy. Uh, I wanted to kind of hear more about it because there was some pretty awesome waves at was shared on Instagram and I think everybody watching was kind of like, how the hell and where the hell? So here's a quick conversation I recorded with Amori recently to discuss this recent trip. Um, I hope you've learnt more by the end of it. But, hey, I wanted to talk to you for the podcast. I wanted to get like an update on what happened in Africa. Yeah. So I might just ask that question and record this. So I'm just chewing on some nuts. Um,
2: yeah, no, I always mean, I'm, I'm preparing my fins too. I'm talking with you and my fins hurts me, so I'm just uh, cutting them and making them really nice and polished.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love. It. Well, where did you go? Where did you go on this trip exactly into Africa? Like tell, tell me a bit more about it and how did it happen and how did it start and all this kind of stuff?
1: Okay,
2: yeah, so that's a uh, uh, ivory Coast. I'm pretty sure that's the name in English. Yeah. Uh, in French, it's Côte d'Ivoire, and in Spanish, it's Costa de Marfil. Mm. And uh, this is like on the on the west side of Africa, like southwest of uh, Africa. Uh, so it catch like it's catching like some south swell at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and these guys like living there for many years, and bodyboarding is over there. Like I mean, a really small community. But for the last maybe 30 years, like guys been like some French men that arrived there a long time ago, bring the boards and then find out there was some waves. And so today there is a pretty small community, but I mean, really strong, really. They all really good friends, each other. And uh, surfing, all, like everything they can over there. And, uh, and, and, and that's it. And I just went there. They organized the ticket. They organized yeah, everything. And we just had the best trip. They just... uh um yeah taking care so much of me man it was super cool
0: so how big is the scene there exactly like are we talking like 30 people or are we talking like a few hundred or what like is it really really niche
2: okay so um, so this is close to the capital town which is abidjan and um, so yeah, Africa is like this. It's like you don't have medium class in Africa. It's mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. or not everything. Most of most of these guys
1: are,
2: uh, I mean, um, are pretty good in the in the society over there. They have all good jobs and 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 helping so much the local community. I mean, we, we had like a bunch of, of black guys, local guys, like making the academy with there and didn't pay anything. You know, no food, no transport, no. No course, you know, and these guys are so happy to bring them, like uh, showing them bodyboarding and uh, and um, and yeah, it's such a good scenery. I mean, when you are in town, it's kind of uh, like uh, a bit, a bit, uh, yeah, a bit dirty and a bit sketchy. Some places are uh, yeah, kind of scary sometimes, like just driving in some part of the town. But since you go to the to the beach, which is like an hour drive, it's just in another world. It's like palm trees everywhere, like 70k of white beaches uh with like massive house it's it's super super nice i mean people on the with the quad on the beach jet ski and uh yeah it's 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 another world. you just get out of the town get to the coast and it's a it's like uh hey it's a paradise over there and some some really fun beach breaks yeah no i was gonna
0: i was gonna say what are the types of waves that you find in the um ivory coast what are they typically
2: yeah typically beach breaks it's like on this part of the coast like 70 kilometers of Empty beachy, and then they said there was a couple reef on the some other side, like some point breaks on the other side of the of the country. But uh, but yeah, really unexplored, nobody really goes there. A couple stand up guy like looking for the waves, but it's uh it's mostly beach breaks.
0: Okay, and so you you were in the Ivory Coast, and then you went up to <laughs> Senegal as well, yeah?
2: Yeah, so I was in Senegal in in, in January, which was really cool. Uh, Senegal have small waves. In the in the city, like uh, yeah, they have so many types of waves, and uh, yeah, beach breaks, reef wedges, and uh, yeah, point breaks, and uh, yeah, that D- guy is definitely like uh, a better bodyboarding destination with many good riders for many years also because it used to be like a French colony, so they have many French guys riding over there. Uh, yeah, Ivory Coast is it's it's, it's more like and un, and un, underrated and uh, underground than uh, than Dakar, Senegal.
0: Okay, and so with the um with your plans with the academy, what what do you have planned this year? You're taking a year off from competition. What do you what are you planning to do?
2: Um, yes i had a pretty busy uh, schedule for this beginning of the year with uh, so senegal i did a couple uh, i've got my academy also in canaries but which is going pretty well and i'm doing a couple courses here and there like on some other islands with different guys um so i'm going to puerto rico in the next week um and then after that i don't really plan any academy like uh May, June, July, uh, since I might do some free surfing, maybe going Indo, I want to check some swell for Skeleton Bay. Um, so yeah, it's good to have a bit of uh, of uh, open window to just uh, follow some swell and do and do some some different things than, than just focus on the tour and uh, and traveling and save the money to follow the tour really. So my next academic might be in July in Costa Rica. I might do a trip with the family, like, two weeks in Costa Rica and two weeks then in Puerto Escondido. Uh, so I'm looking forward for this, this, this pretty big free surf trip. And uh, and then, yeah, the academies will come back strong in September and October with all the European academy in France, Portugal, Spain. I've got a, lot, a pretty busy schedule for the end of the year. So, so yeah, I'm going to take it easy. And... Um, I have a couple plans in Panama and Argentina. Like two guys uh, asking me now to organize something. So maybe doing something in July or something. I'm 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 planning out. And Panama might be at the end of this year. December
0: okay and so anyone listening to this who who want to kind of get you into their country because it sounds like you've got a lot of demand coming from lots of different places what's the best way for you know if there's a group of bodyboarders somewhere to get in touch and see if they can get the Amori academy to their place how do they do it
2: okay so um, yeah the, ma- the, the main thing would be like to pay me the tickets and then um depending on the um, how intense will be the course? If it's two days, three days, how many students will be? Uh, I don't have any uh, exact price that I'm gonna that I put every time. I'm just trying to adapt myself to the to the uh, economic reality of every country. So, um, so depending on where we go and how intense is the course, how many guys uh, we will work out the price of for my work. But the base it will be that to pay my tickets to come over there. Uh, accommodation and food. So most of the time I'm staying just for some local riders. I'm, I'm easy. And, uh, and yeah, where it's working the best, it's where the people are together, actually. They have, like, already a club or association. is it. easier to work out, like, a, a project with me. Um, some guys include, like, a lot of sponsors in there. They're going to talk with the tourism, like, oh, we're going to have the double uh, world champion coming around. Can you guys help us? And then sometimes it's just... Uh, yeah, make it, make it really easy. Um, easier with a group of guys, like in Africa now, for example, there were like 10 riders, they all put a bit of money and make, make me coming and pay my tickets and my, and my work over there. So, contacting me personally or on, I mean on my social media, Amory Laverne or Amory Academy, and then we work out something, looking for the best dates for the waves too. Because when you put a date in advance, uh, you want to be sure to get the best waves. Uh, like for example in France we used to do the, the course in France in August and many times we had like no waves so this year we decided to move it in September where where really the waves are and uh, so yeah just contacting me and then find out the best way to do it at the best moment and then find out a, a, a price for my work depending on the intensity of the course that's it.
0: So there you go, who's booking a ticket to Africa anytime soon. I think I'll do that myself. So the final piece of news, uh, it's a little bit closer to home for me. Um, the APB is about to kick off this year in Brazil pretty soon, although we did already have the Mike Stewart Invitational, which while the waves were a little bit lacklustre, it was still pretty awesome to see bodyboarding taking place out at pipeline and a huge congratulations to Pierre-Louis Costas for his victory. The news from my side is that I was elected the riders representative for the APB tour this year, meaning that I'll be the one uh, working with all the riders to make sure that they're happy with how the tour works um, and then voting on behalf of the male riders on the APB board. Uh, This is a responsibility that I'm thrilled to... um, To take on, we had a little vote amongst the riders to elect someone. Ian Campbell put his hand up to go for the uh, position, and as did I. Um, And I thank Ian for taking the time and the and looking at the um, responsibility seriously. Um, He would have been a great riders rep as well. So I look forward to working with him in this role. Um, But yeah, so this role for me, it'll it'll see me kind of diving a little bit deeper into what the riders need from the tour um i'm hoping that any of them listening to this understand that uh, i'm here to help and to work with them to make sure that we can uh, grow this sport to be bigger and better into the future so there's a little bit of news from the apb tour um i'm hoping that everyone listening to this will will enjoy tuning into the tour this year it should be a really good one um the south american leg is looking really strong with some amazing events um there so everybody should get real excited about it. So there you go. So that's a wrap-up now for the first ever Le Boogie News Beat. I hope it was uh, a little bit different, a little interesting for you all, and uh, please give some feedback on it. And if you've got any news stories that you want to try and feature on this Le Boogie News Beat, uh, just send them through, get in touch through Instagram or wherever is the best way for you to contact. And, um, yeah, I look forward to hearing your stories and sharing them with the community. Thank you everyone for tuning in and look forward to a, uh, another interview real soon да мы так же пойдём